Welcome back to Six Pod, your weekly Toronto sports podcast with Simon and Jacob. Uh, so this week, we're a little bit more back to form with our six takes as we had a lot more to talk about this week than the week previous. Um, as you guys noticed, our last episode was not our, our six takes back and forth, kind of usual banter. We had a, a quick list of the top Toronto sports icons in the past 30, 30 years or so. And, and for this week, we got some news, so we got some takes to give you. Um, but yeah, first off, Simon, how are you doing? I'm good. I am excited to be back uh, on the pod. Kind of what you, you mentioned this week was a little bit more eventful with respect to sports. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, just a quick, quick couple news points. Uh, Dustin Johnson uh, just won the Masters. So uh, we're not a huge golf pod. Me and Simon do play. Um, we're both very good. But no, we're not that. He's good. I'm not good. But Justin Johnson won the the Masters this past week. Um, Anthony Davis, uh, fresh off his championship with the Lakers, just declined his $28.7 million player option. $29 million, he looked at it, said, nope, not for me. He's going to test the market. So I just kind of want to ask you, could you imagine looking at $29 million and saying, that's that's not enough. Like, you're kidding me with that. Like, he, he man. That's, yeah, that's that's foreign a, that's to unreal. me. Yeah, that's, that's unreal, unreal for sure. Um, even just like a sports player getting paid that much money in general, uh, just because I come from like following the Leafs and the, the salaries are, are nowhere near um, that amount. Uh, just the fact that one player is getting um, thirty million dollars and well, close to thirty million thirty million dollars and and turning that down that's uh, that's definitely something. Yeah, we can talk about why MLB players deserve more money than NHL players and, and why baseball is a harder sport, but we won't get into that now. That's a ridiculous take. Not even ridiculous. That's just factually wrong, Jacob. Like, you're joking, right, when you when you make that claim? I'll just say I've done them both. Baseball's harder. And you weren't good at hockey, so you turned to baseball. You, you could say that. You yet. you could say that, but but I'm just I saying. I played with you. I played with you in both of those sports, and yeah. so you played baseball because you weren't that good at hockey. But anyways, I let's put a pin in that because that would be a great take uh, to talk about it in a future pod episode. So listeners, just remember that uh, Jacob said that. Um, that's crazy. Anyways. What uh, what else has been happening in the sports world, Jacob? I know that you were talking about um, there would be some uh, chatter uh, around the Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. So uh, Ross Atkins, Blue Jays GM, was on a podcast this past week, and he's like, we're coming this summer. We're, we're spending money. We're looking to add one to two to three like top-level players. And, and there are quite a few like highly skilled players in this year's free agency pool. So don't be surprised if you see the Jays like really pulling all the stops on players like Bauer, um, LeMayhew, uh, probably not Real Muto, but a couple other top arms. Like he, he's he's really looking to, to dive in. And I think as their window is starting to appear, like their championship window, they're really looking to add some guy that'll take us to the next level. So I'm I'm pretty fired up about that. 
and uh, I think you yeah, guys should Jacob, all be. That's what I wanted to. Uh, that's what I wanted to ask you. When do you think the Blue Jays are going to enter their their window? Is it next year? The year after? What do you think? I actually think this year was a pretty good indicator that we're we're about to enter it. I think, and if we do add a couple top like top tier players, then I think like starting this year, say we add say we add someone like Herbauer. I think that puts us um, kind of in the position to be competing. Um, we got those guys that are starting to take their steps. Vladdy's not, but players like Gurriel, players like Hernandez, players like Bichette, Vigia, like those guys are starting to come to their own. And if we add, again, one more guy or two more guys around them and some pitching in the bullpen, like I can see us like really contending um, in the next one, two, three years. So I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. I'm correct by saying that they exceeded their expectations this past season, correct? Or yeah, they, they weren't expecting. Well, am I wrong by saying that? No, I think I think you're right by saying that. I think a big thing, though, for them this year was the, the added playoff spot for um, the MLB because they don't usually do that. And in a usual uh, kind of season, they wouldn't have made the playoffs still. But as they did make the playoffs, no one expected them to be there. Um, so it was exciting, and I think – they did exceed expectations, although their their record was just barely above 500. Um, in the shortened season, you can kind of look at that as you will. But I think uh, given that that not great success, but but fair success in the past season, I think we can look forward um, with the addition of a free agent to some to some real success coming forward. All right, what's uh, what do we got first, Jacob? All right, so first we got the All-MLB team. So recently the MLB kind of put in a campaign talking about or, or kind of letting, allowing people to vote on who they think the best player was at each position for the 2020 season. So they had fans vote, players vote, coaches vote, whoever wanted um, could vote on this. And they're releasing the results later this week. So if you're hearing this later this week, uh, today's Sunday, but if you're hearing this a little later, you'll probably know who the team is by now and you can kind of compare our picks to the actual picks. Um, how we're going to do this, me and Simon haven't told each other who we're doing yet, so we're kind of going to raw react to each other's lists. So we're going to go five starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, one at each infield position, and then we've got three outfielders um, and a DH. So this will be fun. Um, guys, if you have any feedback on this, let us know. We'd love to hear your list as well. Uh, Simon, let's hear your starting pitchers. All right. Um, just uh, a notice, though, if I butcher any uh, any of these names, Jacob, please correct me. Um, I, I'm not super confident in, in knowing all these players and their enunciation, so um, just call call me out when I need to be, okay? All right. All right, so my uh, five starters going in order that I would use them um, would be one, Shane Bieber, two, Trevor Bauer, three, Garrett Cole, for you, Darvish, and then five is Max Freed. Hold on. Are you serious? Correct. Wow. Okay, I'm a little upset right now. I'll give you my list real quick. You literally, you didn't put the best pitcher in baseball on your top five list. The best Ooh. pitcher in baseball, Jacob Degrom. Was not on your list. No, he's my number one. All right, who's okay. your uh, two to okay. five? Okay, I'm pulling up these stats here. This 
Okay, and we can go into advanced metrics. You can see how even much better DeGrom is if you look at some of the advanced metrics. But just based off like these stats, he's 104K league leader, 238 ERA, 0.96 whip. Number two, I got uh, Shane Bieber. So I agree with that. He, he definitely had a great season. Didn't have postseason success, but he was a triple crown winner. So he led in wins, ERA, and strikeouts in the AL. So good for him. Great season there. Trevor Bauer, I have third. Uh, 1.73 ERA, 100 strikeouts, and a 0.79 whip. Um, he had a great season. Um, looking forward to what he does in free agency. Uh, fourth, I had Yu Darvish. 2.01 ERA. 93 strikeouts, 0.96 whip. And Denelson Lamette, I had at the five with a 2.09 ERA, 93 strikeouts, and a 0.86 whip. Um, yeah. I, so you mm, think he, you think Jacob DeGrom outperformed Shane Bieber? Um, I do. I fully do. And if I have, if I ever need anyone to start a baseball game, regardless of if it's a regular season game, playoff game, Jake DeGrom is the guy I'm going with, and it's not even close. It's not even close. He's the best pitcher in baseball. Um, I know a couple of listeners have heard me talk about how good Jacob DeGrom is, um, but I just can't believe that he's not on your top five list. That's insane. Like, He arguably should have won the Scion in the NL, and the NL was much better pitching-wise than the AL this year. But the rest of your list, I, I kind of think, is fair. Um, Garrett Cole had a more – like he. I could argue, I, could, I think Denel, uh, Denelson Lamed had a better year than Garrett Cole, but overall, it's a fair list. Um, All right, uh, Jacob, give me your two relief pitchers. Uh, number one at the pen, we got Devin Williams, rookie of the year, had an amazing year. 0.33 ERA, led the majors, and he had a 0.63 whip as well. So he was just dominant at the pen. If you've seen any highlights of him pitching, like he's got. Got some crazy pitches, and I'm excited for what he's going to do um, going forward. And then second, I got Liam Hendricks. He had a 1.78 ERA, 0.67 whip, and he had 14 saves, which was, I believe, second in the majors. So uh, he's a guy that comes in. He's actually on the Jays for a bit, so in case you didn't know that. And he was very average, and then he went to the A's, and he's been dominant. So that's a I was about that's to say, that name, uh, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, that's disappointing. Um, but good for him. He had a great year. I think he deserves another two spot. All right, so uh, number one, we had the same number one, Devin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number two, I, I have Brad Hand. That's fair. 15 saves, right? He led the league in saves. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact about the main reason why he's at number two for me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, quick, quick note about Brad Hand, actually. He's been optioned by his team, which is crazy. They didn't want his $10 million contract. So he's like... He's nowhere right now after having one of the best seasons of his career, which is pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, that is crazy. Uh, moving on, yeah. So you weren't you weren't insulted by that the the, the relief uh, pitcher list yet. So that's uh, that was good. All right, let's move on. All right. So what was your first baseman something? Um, Freddie Freeman. That's fair. Um, you could you I agree with Freddie Freeman, but I personally would have gone with Abreu for this season. Um, you, they, both of those guys won MVP, so they were like the two best players in the league this year. And it's unfortunate they both have to be first basemen. Um, but I'll quickly give you a Brady stats on, on why I chose him. He had a 317 average, uh, hits for great average above his career average. In fact, he had 60 RBIs, which led the majors, 19 home runs, which was second in the majors. He had 76 hits, which was first in the majors. So 
um, offensively, he was just amazing this year. And Freeman was too, uh, no doubt. But I just think Abreu deserved it this year. But I don't, I'm not at all upset with your pick for Freeman. All right. What's the next position? Uh, second base. Easy answer here. DJ LeMayhew. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he had an yeah. unreal season. Yeah. No, no doubt he did. He was, um, he's one of the most underrated players in baseball. And Facts. I love him. I really, I looked like I did a little bit of a deep dive on him. And man, he, yeah, he's super underrated. Like, even just his, like, advanced stats. Like show that he's a, like a such a valuable player. I got I got a little fun fact about him coming up later in the show, but um, yeah, he had a three sixty four average, which led the majors, and he had a one point zero one one OPS, which is disgusting. So, and he plays in the Yankees. And he plays in the Yankees. That's true. So. I think you and I might have, um, uh, maybe I don't know who's who's your shortstop. I got Trey Turner. Who do you have? Corey Seager. Hmm. Okay. Um, Trey Turner had an outstanding year. Outstanding year. 335 average. Uh, 899, sorry, 982 OPS. 12 stolen bases. 12 home runs. He does not usually hit for power. So, 78 hits. Sorry, Trey Turner led the league in hits this past year. Brady was second. But, led the league in hits. Just played an everyday kind of great baseball for the, the Nationals who had a, a down year this year, but Seager's a fair pick. I don't think he deserves it over Trey Turner. That's fair. It's not a, it's not outrageous. No. All right. Uh, third? Uh, who do you have? Manny Machado. Yeah, me too. Um, I just like him, even just what, like how he plays the game. Um, he's a fun player to watch. That's a pretty unpopular opinion, but I'm I'm actually with you on that. I think he's pretty misunderstood. He's got a little bit of attitude issues from the past. That's what but... I like. Like it's not what baseball represents, and that's kind of almost what I um like draws me to to him in in that sense. Like I know he gets like a lot of heat for how he conducts himself on the baseball field, and most of it is definitely justified. But you can't tell me that it's not somewhat entertaining. No, absolutely not. And not even like his offensive stats are outstanding this year, but his defense, I think, is like you always talk about Arenado or Chapman at third base with defense, but he's like honestly right there with them. He's a great defender. So um, I'm glad we agree on that one because I thought we would disagree there. All right. Who? Um, it's my, it's me now, right? Yeah. What do we got at the, the catcher position? Um, Travis Dernode. Okay. Darno. Darno. My apologies. Fun fact about him. He was actually, I believe, drafted by the Jays or in the Jays minor league system originally, but was traded for R.A. Dickey. <laughs> so that's cool. But that's a fair pick as well. I actually went with Salvador Perez. I think he had an outstanding year. Um, but I do understand that Darno had a good year. Quickly, Salvador Perez was 11 home runs, 32 RBIs, a 333 average, and 986 LPS. That's actually... Um, much better than he usually is. So it could be the shortened season, but I think he deserves. I think he deserves recognition here. All right. And then who's your uh, who's your DH? DH. I have Marcelo Zuna. 
he just mashed this year. He had 338 average, a 1.067 OPS, 77 hits, and 18 home runs with 56 RBIs. Like he's almost tops in every category here. So I there's, do had Marcelo. Yeah, okay. You could also say Nelson Cruz had a great year as well, and I would have been okay with that. But uh, Ozuna definitely deserved it. Um, and then give me your three outfielders really quick. We should have the same three. We should. Um, but I don't think we're going to. That means you so messed up. Mike Trout, <laughs> Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, uh, Juan Soto. Okay, we got the same three. That's good. We do? Yeah, yeah we do. So... All right. Juan Soto's numbers were ridiculous this year. He led the league in OPS with 1.185, which is insane. He had a 351 average, insane. 30 home runs, um, 37 RBIs. And he was injured for like the first couple games as well. Cause, no, not injured. covid at the beginning of the season. Uh, Mookie Betts was in the MVP conversation. He had a great year. 292 average, 927 OPS, 16 home runs. Um, plays great defense as well. And was kind of the leader of that that LA team for the season. And then Mike Trout, you can think of this as a down year for Mike Trout, which is ridiculous because he sold 70 home runs, 46 RBIs, a 281 average and a 993 OPS. So those are all like top league stuff, except for maybe the average, but he still got on base at like a 390 clip, which is ridiculous. So think of this as a down year for Mike Trout. He's still all MLB, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I'm glad we have the, uh, we have the same, so overall, pretty similar list, which is which is good to hear. Yeah, your uh, your views aren't uh, outrageous, which uh, I was afraid of. I didn't want to uh, didn't want to scare the listeners away. Numbers don't lie. That's the thing. So you got to look at the numbers, right? That's true. All right. Uh, so let's stay on the baseball uh, on the baseball topic, and we've got some really exciting news uh, for the sport. Um, Kim Eng was um, promoted uh, to becoming the GM of the Miami Marlins. Um, that would make her the first uh, woman uh, and uh, Asian uh, woman that rather to be the uh, to be like have that role uh, in the baseball. So that's super super exciting. Um, she spent time with the Yankees, uh, Dodgers, White Sox. And most recently uh, has spent time uh, with the league as a senior VP. So I think that just deserves uh, an honorable mention. And that's just great for the sport. And um, I definitely think she deserves it just looking at her kind of history. Yeah, I think a cool thing here is that, like, I saw a picture of her and, like, Derek Jeter when Jeter was a player. So she's been around for a really long time. And now that Jeter's kind of the owner of the, the Marlins, it's cool to see him give her this shot for sure. You also you killed the pronunciation of the name too. Did I? If if I believe that's how it's said, then I think you I think you nailed it. Yeah, for the listeners, um, Jacob and I were going, um, just confirming that we were pronouncing that pronouncing the last name correctly. So we uh, we think we did, and if we if we didn't, uh, we apologize. It was definitely not definitely uh, unintentional. Yeah. Yep. All right, Jacob. Um. Yep. Going. One more time with the baseball track. Um, I got a quick, quick top three free agents list who I think the biggest three names are that are free agents here, the most impactful guys. 
and where they're going. So I got DJ LeMahieu, as we just talked about him, as having a fantastic year. Um, again, I was going to say a quick, quick shout out, quick story about him. So my grade 12 English teacher is first cousins with DJ LeMahieu. And whenever I see him no on way. TV, I'm like, I'm like, hey, yeah. So shout out to Sean Vanierden. If you ever listen to this, probably never will. But if you ever do, just know. I think if you every time I see DJ LeMahieu, and I think I pretty much met DJ LeMahieu because his cousin marks my tests. So that's cool. But yeah, DJ LeMahieu, fantastic player. I think I think the best creation available. But I picked a, my pick for him to, to play next year is either the Jays or the Angels. Um, I think both those teams could use a player like him uh, with experience and just kind of overall talent that, that both teams need to push them to the next level. The Angels have Trout, they have Rendon. Um, they need, I think, one more guy to kind of push them because they're just always underperforming. If maybe they have this guy, they can they can move forward. I'd rather see him on the Jays than the Angels, but I think the Angels can make a fair case. Trevor Bauer, I got number two. I think he's going. I think he's going to the Mets or the Padres. Um, he's my number two because he's a top five pitcher. He just won the Sang Award. I don't think really he deserved it, but he had a great year. Um, but I think he'd fit in great in the Mets rotation with Degrom and Syndergaard. That like top three might be like the best top three in a rotation like of all time. That's insane. And then Strowman's your four, who used to be the ace for Toronto. So that would be crazy to go to the Mets. Um, San Diego, I think, would be great for Bauer, playing with Tatis and Machado. Like, that would be that would be electric to watch. Um, and not to mention Trevor Bauer loves to kind of make that that YouTube content. I think it would be fun to see him playing with, with guys like Tatis and, and Machado every game. But that's just me. But I think he'd also fit really well there in that culture. Lastly, I got... George Springer, third on my list. And uh, I chose Springer over JT Romuto because I think Springer's just an overall better player. Um, that may be controversial, but Springer's a top top outfielder available. He's a perennial all-star, and in my opinion, the most respectable player on the Astros. Um, I know it's hard to kind of forgive anyone on that team, but if anyone does, I think, deserve it, it's him. He's been quiet. Um, he just did his thing. He went about his business. And I think he's a great guy before all that happened and, and now that that's happened I still think he's a good guy but if there's someone I have to pick on that team I would want I would want him uh, out of Altuve, Correa, Bregman all those guys and I think he's actually going to go to the Mets too I think they need a top outfielder and I think they're willing to spend the money to get him yeah um any thoughts on that list Simon? no um it excites me that there uh, could be a potential J uh, in the free agent uh, class there, there will be signings this year. Whether or not we're getting like those top guys is one thing, but we're we're going to be signing decent players for sure. Is Toronto a desirable market to play in, according to like free agents? I don't know. I know in hockey there are you know um, destinations that players in, like would enjoy going to. Um, does Toronto? have that reputation or how is toronto perceived for so that? players that players that play in toronto have, have always given like positive reviews um however one huge thing and this is also in the nba i'm sure it's a little bit in nhl but probably less so is the taxes that canadians have um on their employment compared to the american taxes they'll pay 
So a lot of players are like, well, I'm going to get 40% taken off. I think above 200,000. Like, why would I want to do that? Where I can go to Texas and get much more of my money in my pocket. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a topic that I'd love to bring up with you um, mm-hmm. at some point And just kind of looking at that, that breakdown, because uh, I agree um, that the taxing difference definitely is something that players, players notice. Um, and yeah, no, from, from a player's perspective, I just was wondering, um, if Toronto was a was a was a favorable destination for these types of players, but it sounds like you know players have enjoyed it thus far, and that'd be really really cool to have you know a Trevor Bauer um, oh, come, be come awesome. to Toronto. It'd be awesome, but, and maybe someday, maybe someday yeah. soon. Yeah, hopefully. All right, let's move on to the uh, topic of the hour. So, Jacob. I don't want to put words in your mouth um, because I want to give you full reign and freedom to um, uh, or, uh, you know, articulate how you feel about Mark Gasol. So why don't you just tell the listeners what you told me two nights ago with respect to um, Mark Gasol's position both on the court but symbolically within the organization as well okay so me and someone actually uh had a had a real long talk as we mentioned about this and we uh we disagree pretty heavily on this so i'm i'm of the belief marcus Saul was a part of the core last season and that he filled that role well um i think what gasol does on the defensive end i think what he does as a teammate and as a leader, make him just a part of that core. I We always saw him starting games and didn't always see him finishing, but he was often playing when we needed him to play. Um, and just talking about core quickly, what I believe a core is, is like the five guys you want on the court to win the game. So last year, the Raptors core would have been Lowry, Van Vliet, um, Siakam, Ananobi, and Gasol, and it is, it is hard to choose between Gasol and Ibaka, but I think you can make the argument that Gasol does more kind of for the team overall than Ibaka does, and Ibaka will score more than him, but I think Gasol is kind of the guy you want as your foundation, as your layer, kind of the backbone, especially of the defensive end. I just think you're over, like, romanticizing Gasol's contribution to the Raptors this past year. I don't know if we were watching different games completely or that maybe it was when I was a couple beers deep when watching the Raptors that I saw something clearly different than what you're seeing, especially in the playoffs. Gasol played awful. Like, like a liability. And no matter what defensive um, comfort that he may provide did not make up for the inconsistency that I saw definitely within the playoffs, but even trickling back into the regular season of of 2019-2020. Like, I don't know if you remember, Jacob, he had an awful start to the season. He was also injured for a lot of games. And I agree. 
I agree. Speaks to the point that he is old. And just to me, what he provided the Raptors, I wouldn't consider him being a, a core piece to the team. Like, I feel that the Raptors, with respect to their competitiveness, like their competitive level, is much, much higher than a team that would consider Gasol. I, I, I just think that um, Gasol's not or should should not be viewed um, as a core necessity pillar to the Raptors organization's success because I do not think he um, assisted or helped the Raptors in the playoffs uh, in the bubble. Say what you will about, you know, the layoff and different playoff environments, so on and so forth. But, you know, I don't know if you remember, there was like a lot of hype about Gasol going back into the bubble, right? Like, I, I think like Skinny, Skinny Mark was... Skinny Gasol. Uh, yeah, sorry. Skinny, yeah, Skinny Gasol was uh, was trending on Twitter for a bit, on, on Raptors Twitter. So, I, I, I you know, it's kind of like... I was talking to you a couple of days ago. It's like when he's bad, it's like bad, bad. And out of, you know, the, the two players that can play Gasol's position, I would pick Ibaka over Gasol nine times out of 10. Okay. I, I think, yeah, he slowed down this year, but I would in no way say he's a liability on either end. Um, he's not, his role is not to score. So you can look at his offensive numbers and say those are pretty bad. And yeah, comparing them to a lot of other scorers, they're going to be bad. But he, he takes those system shots he needs to take. Often threes, he's in the pick and roll. He knows where to be. And not only that, on the defensive end, like I mentioned, he's like the guy who holds it down there. He's when, Especially when they're playing his own, he's the guy in the middle. He's telling everyone where to be. He's telling everyone where to look. And that experience he offers alone, Simon, to players like, Siakam to players like Ananobi who who kind of need that extra guidance, that extra push. And yeah, Kyle Lowry's there as well. Don't get me wrong. But like a guy with Gasol's resume is just someone you can't ignore and, and call unimportant on a team such as the Raptors. Okay, Again, but you're talking about, you know, his, what he's done and what he represents. That's great. However, his best years clearly Jacob Arden in the past like there is no way and I'm not saying he has to be the player that he was uh, 10 years ago but like like what like I don't know if you are or saw what like how he performed in the bubble yeah I I know that he he missed a lot of shots and I, I understand that I'm just telling you, his like, role is not. His play, I, yes, I, he's he's a, he's a big center. That's not what he like. He's not gonna score. We, we you can see that throughout consistently, um, within his you know career stats. Like he's not. Has no, he used to be. He used to be a scorer. No, he but used to most be. recently, meaning like no, like, yeah, with yeah, the Raptors. Like we, the Raptors have never relied on his offensive ability. But what I'm saying though is that. Just like his playmaking skills, um, his ability to, to, to push the play forward, like those things that Gasol was known for, and I think that's what you're referring to, 
um, it was not present. And I think you um, are overhyping the, you know, the, the, the need for Gasol. And, and let me just want to add one thing here. If the Raptors had um, like an, like an offensive, like monster, then yes, having Gasol maybe, maybe play, um, you know, you could use his talents a little bit better, right? Like there's some rumors going on that Gasol might go to the Warriors. And, you know, when you have a, he's, have a he's, play- he's leaving, he's in Spain. He's playing in Spain no, no, next no, no, year. No. no, no. Yeah, yeah. That's not confirmed. Yeah, it is. Source. Okay, I'll pull that up. I'll, you keep talking. I'll pull that up. Anyways, um, like there's rumors that he's going to the Warriors next year. Um, you know, when you have a player like Steph Curry, that's fine because then you know the offensive. Um, talent will, will be there, so then Gasol doesn't need to be relied on as heavily, and he can play a reserved, sheltered role. But with the Raptors, he we needed him to be more than just what you're talking about, right? Like he's good at you know A B, but we needed him in the, specifically in the Raptors role to be like A B C D. So I just think that you overhyped Gasol. Um, you know he was an important piece to to the championship uh that that championship in in 2019 but i think you know a lot of players had a had a big role in that championship but i don't know i just think he you you're overvaluing what he gave the raptors and i think you're undervaluing it okay and i just read up and i think you're right it's not for sure yet but i see him going back there um but i just think you're undervaluing the intangibles i know you probably don't like hearing me say that but you are. And I think on a championship team, so I mean, this is why the Leafs haven't won yet. They don't have those guys who have those intangibles that lead you to a championship, lead you deep into the playoffs, get you those really close game wins. Like, you'll understand. You'll understand when you see someone like Joe Thornton or Wayne Simmons doing doing the things that you didn't see Matthews doing, the things you don't see Marner doing. You'll understand when you when you watch the team play more. But I'm telling you, as someone who watches the Raptors very frequently, Having a saw on the court not only provides like a comfort on the defensive end, but just an overall expectation for the team that you don't have when he's on there. And yes, he he maybe let you down a little bit on the offensive end this year. I understand that. But again, that's not his role in Where's this court. Where's the consistency, Jacob, within this past oh, season? Yes, he was injured. Fine. Okay. I'm but telling you his that, where he's consistent. Consideration, though. Take in that take in that consideration. If he is injured, if if he cannot perform these so-called intangibles that are parents so necessary to a championship caliber team. And I'm not saying that they're necessarily not, but a player who is good defensively should not be a pillar of a team. Why not? Your team doesn't need like one guy who can lock down on defense. You think Gasol can lock down on defense currently in his stage of his career? Gasol, if you're trying to post up Mark Gasol, you're going to have a hard time doing that. Just look at Joel Embiid. He lives, Joel Embiid is arguably the best inside big man offensively. And Mark Gasol lives in his head. Mark Gasol is in his head, locked him down all the time. Okay, okay? Jacob. Jacob. Serge Ibaka 
Marcus All, both free agents, both potential leaving. Potentially yeah. leaving. Yeah. Who are you re-signing out of those two? Ibaka. Okay. So then Gasol is not a pillar to the Raptors organization. This past year he was. No doubt. Moving forward, less so. Oh my goodness. You weren't watching the same games I was watching. Clearly not. Like, I just don't think you I'm, understand what I'm saying. I and just if there's don't any understand. listeners out there that are going to come for my head saying that I, I'm a Gasol hater, that's not the case. I like Big Spain. Okay, he, he his, his funny... Um, he got absolutely plastered at the Raptors, uh, parade. Um, funny, funny guy. However, looking at his contributions objectively does not lead me to the, to the conclusion of my co-host here that he is somehow integral or was integral if you know Jacob you're kind of backtracking here and saying that he was only integral to this past season i think even, moving i'm just saying moving forward so, i don't so, see him fulfilling the same role but yeah i don't think he even fulfilled that role this past season especially in the playoffs again man i i'm going to keep saying it there are just things that you it, don't see tangibles I know so there are things these, you don't these, see. There's these intangibles. <laughs> You're the worst. Okay. What's the next? Okay. What's the next one? I, if if anyone is listening to this, um, Tell us and your thoughts, has please. an opinion regarding this, all just just DM me, DM Jacob, um, and tell us who's wrong. And when you tell Jacob that he's wrong, be nice. He's sensitive. Um. Anyways, what's next? All right. Um, Staying on that Raptors track, we got um, Freddie Van Vliet and his free agent decisions. So I got a couple quotes here recently that we got from him on a JJ Reddick's podcast. Um, first one, he said, I'd love to run a team someday. Um, Taking from that, he wants to be the guy on a team. Right, Simon? And I think we talked about this a little bit, but... Um, I think what you can take from that is that he he wants to be the number one option. He wants to be the guy taking the ball down the court, taking that last-minute shot. Um, I don't know if he is there quite yet. I don't know if he – I don't know. He can get there, maybe. I don't see him as a, a top-tier player that's going to lead a team to the playoffs. I see him as a great two or three on a team that goes far in the playoffs, but I don't see him – in the similar like role as LeBron or Kawhi or, or even like, even someone like Siakam, I see taking a team farther than Van Vliet at this point. So I respect that. I think he's a great player. Um, he always says bet on yourself. And I think he's going to do that. Another quote he said was, I'm trying to get paid. Take from that way you will. I think he wants the most money available. So I think even if like the worst thing, like the Charlotte Hornets offer him like, $23 million a year, and the next one is like 21 He's going to go with the $23 million a year. Um, again, I don't know what's on his mind exactly, but just seeing what he's he's been putting out there, 
I get the sense he's going to be cashing out with whoever's giving him the most money. I agree. I, um, I don't think there's any, uh, any like hometown discount, uh, option here with, with the Raptors. And listen, like I, I respect, uh, Fred Van Vliet. Um, I like his story. And when these quotes came out, uh, that the two that you mentioned, uh, on the podcast that he did, a lot of people came, um, and said, well, you know, this is just kind of who Fred Van Vliet is, and this is just the stuff that he's been saying, you know, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. However, sim- similar to your point, like, I think he's going to just get as much money as possible, and, and whoever is going to offer that, um, I think he's he's going he's gonna to go. I actually think also a team like the Bulls, who don't have, a, like, a great – number one option right now who have a pretty big payroll and he's from Illinois. Like, I think that team is going to make a pretty big run at him. I think the Knicks might make a run at him again, another team who doesn't really have top talent right now and is, has the money to kind of give him what he wants. I think they might go in on him. So I, I think we might see him in one of those two jerseys next year. Unfortunately, I think he's great for our team. Great defensive player, but I think, I think you're right. What about we the should... intangibles, Jacob? Does he have the intangibles? Yeah, he's pretty mentally tough. I think I think he's one of the younger guys on the team, so he doesn't offer as much experience as someone like Marcus Saul, for example. Uh, just kind of pulling that name out, but I think I think he's a, definitely a guy who you want in crunch time too. So we also need to think of it uh, or this situation um, because I I do think there's a a, a real reality where. It may be the Raptors that say no to the to his what he wants too, right? Like I, I don't like I think the narrative right now is you know you know Van Vliet's gonna say no, Van Vliet's gonna say no, and and he's gonna go out. Like, I think there could be a a decision that's made by the Raptors where like Van Vliet, you know, is asking price is too much and is not within the direction that the the organization wants to go in. I think. I think a big part of it too is where are we putting our eggs right now, right? Are we putting them in someone like Freddie? Like, are we counting on him and Siakam to be the best duo since Jordan and Pippen? Or are we saying next year is a big free agent? Um, Giannis is free. We've got a relationship with him. He's going to want a lot of money. Kawhi, don't tease me like that. Um, him coming back would be the greatest thing to happen to Toronto since he came the first time. So, yeah, say like, I think here yeah, I'm going to put a value. You think, do you I'm think we're a value. having this conversation? Do you think we're having this conversation if that free agent class was not this deep? Like, if Giannis wasn't even an option, and there are still like there's still a pretty good chance he's going to re-sign with Milwaukee. However, do you think that we would even be having this conversation regarding letting Van Vliet walk if the 2021 draft class was not so saturated? Um, That's a good question, actually. I think it just kind of depends on what Masai's plan is. Because regardless, there's going to be decent free agents, and if 
he sees one of them as, as more valuable than Van Vliet, then he's going to wait to give the money to that person. But Masai, he's, he's had plans this whole time. I, I don't expect him to run out anytime soon. So I, I think whatever he does, it's going to have, like in terms of what he does with Fred right now, it's going to have an effect on what he does next year and the year after that. That being said, if I were to be in his shoes and put a value right now on Fred, I'd say no more than $20 million. Um, I think he's great. Don't get me wrong. $20 million is a lot of money, but I think Fred's going to want somewhere closer to 25. And I don't think that's worth it to kind of keep giving him and keep giving him when you can save and put those those millions of dollars towards someone like Giannis, who we apparently are in the talks for, right? Uh, I can I completely agree, and you mentioned this, um, kind of the intro in it, in this segment specifically when you said that, you know, Fred wants to be a guy that wants to you know be that player, be that number one, and you know his projected asking price that that twenty five million dollar price tag, kind of identifies that you know that would be. Um, the role for him however I don't know if he is there yet or worth that where he's at in his career he's a great basketball player do not like he he was so so important to our championship run uh, in 2019 and even this past year he was great I just don't know if he's worth what he wants while not shooting you know, us in the foot where we can't be aggressive next year. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's glad. Like it's, it's going to be tough to see him go and I'm happy for him if he gets paid because he does, he deserves money. Like, don't get me wrong, but in our current situation, we're kind of in this weird spot where we don't know if we're getting someone big next year and we don't know if we should rely on the guys we have right now. So and Lowry's Lowry's and exiting that's... his prime, so it's it's tough. We we need to start building a future as well. Well, that's my next question to you. I, I feel, and I this would be interesting to know. Um, I feel right now, like half the Raptors fan base thinks that we're not in a contending window anymore, while half the Raptors fan base still thinks we are. Where do you think we are? Um regardless of Fred Van Vliet, like, are we still contending? Especially if we look at, you know, the, the teams next year. Like, I'm really, really excited for next year's um, competition. Like, it's going to be super exciting um, with that. But going back to my question, Jacob, like, are we still in the question of, trying to be aggressive within the playoffs and, and trying to, to, to get to the finals? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a that's a hard question to ask right now because you don't want to let go of this team that's been really good for the past couple of years. But you wonder, like, if Fred does walk and we don't get Giannis next year and Lowry's contract's up and he's getting old, then we got OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and, like, Chris Boucher has our guys going forward. And I don't I don't know if those guys in themselves are going to make us contenders. So I would say if things 
don't go well this offseason, we're definitely going to start regressing. And I also think that if uh, Fred, Fred Van Vliet does not resign, and man, Raptors fans are going to come for my head for this. Um, and like, guys, don't worry. Like, it hurts me to say this, but like, we also should maybe probably look to move Lowry. No, we should look to move Lowry. Um, his contract's up at the end of this year, and I don't know though. Like, because I think Lowry and Giannis would work great together. And if we're really like looking That'd be at an Giannis, unreal duo. That'd be an like, unreal duo. Like, just imagine, even if we let Fred go, we got Lowry, uh, Ananobi, Giannis, Siakam, and if we keep Ibaka, like, that's unreal. So, I just, I don't know. Like, I understand letting Lowry go, like, to get some more assets. And, and I think you can if he's if he's going to a competing team and they're willing to, like, go in it this year. And, and they're they're probably going to give back a pretty pretty decent amount of picks or something like that. But I think if you're really looking to get Giannis and, and keep that, that contending window open for us, then I see him having value in the future um, next couple of years for sure. Good question. It'll be interesting. I'm excited to see what um, what happens with, with Fred. And I think when that situation does get resolved, Jacob, let's kind of come back to this question of where the Raptors are with respect mm-hmm. to, you know, their views um on on kind of how to how to move forward here so let's revisit this i think that'd be interesting after we know where fred Ved, uh, fred van vliet goes absolutely but i'm glad to see us agree on something yeah and you know these, these intangibles jacob they're uh, okay they're enough. let's move they're on incred- they're next incredible. section they're incredible. what's number six um so the fans uh uh, liked uh, the last poll that we uh, we went through, and so I've got another one for you, Jacob. And uh, this is the uh, this is the like kind of yearly uh, Maple Leaf fan survey, and this was done by the Athletics. So shout out to them. Um, and I believe I think there was yeah around five thousand uh, like Athletic subscribers uh, responded to the survey. I responded to the survey. Um, and so Jacob, you have not seen these answers, No. um, but I did provide them. I did provide the questions to you ahead of time, just so you could kind of think about, uh, what you would want to say. And, uh, there were a bunch of questions, but I kind of picked like the, the biggest ones. And so, uh, let's get right into it. So the first question was, uh, which off season edition did you like the most? TJ Brody. Yes. And uh, that answer was uh, extremely overwhelmingly popular. Like 83% of uh, the respondents. And and yeah, for sure. Like I can guess. Let me guess two and three. Let me guess two and three real quick. Okay. Uh, Thornton Simmons in that order. Uh, yeah. Okay. Man, I know the least well. Um, no, and I, and I think like the fans saw what was missing and a reliable, consistent defensive partner for Morgan Riley, who he has never had. And, you know, you know, TJ Brody is 
consistent, reliable, defensively orientated. And as long as we don't have to see Tyson Berry and Cody Cece in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform ever again, um, I'm good with. Uh, I'm definitely good with uh, TJ Brody replacing Cody Cece as the number one defensive line. Okay. Uh, number two, which off-season addition did you like the least? The least. I gotta go with Zach Bogosian on this, and for the reason, like I don't, I'm not trying to disrespect or hate on him, but I think they're kind of stacking up a little bit too much on their defense. I don't know if that was like a very necessary addition. That's my opinion. So the most popular. Um... I agree with your response, but that was actually not the pop, like the, the recorded uh, answer. The recorded answer was Jimmy VC. Oh. And to your point, Jacob, like I think there's a little bit more risk with uh, Zach Bogosian, like at Jimmy VC for $900,000. Um, that's a good price for a NHL player who, a hasn't really had a good opportunity to perform well since he played for Buffalo these past couple of seasons. And, you know, he's been around the 20 goal mark for like, uh, yeah, three seasons. So I agree. I think there's a little bit risk with, with Zach Bogosian. Like I like him. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to use this word, but, but intangible, uh, he does have the intangibles. You're the that, worst. Um, You're terrible. Uh, are important uh, what is wrong with you uh, you can't say that no no that, I can't. now i'm fired no, up on, you can't on. say that hold up hold up i can say that because i didn't devalue intangibles all yes, i'm saying did. is that you these intangibles did. are not these intangibles are not necessary to a like a pillar of, a, of, of an organization you know a core terrible. player a core player does not um negate just because he, he has intangibles that are, are beneficial to a team, that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. That's what you just said about Pogosian. Is Pogosian a, a core part no, of the Toronto Maple Leaf organization? Absolutely not. No, but you're acknowledging that his intangibles are valuable to the team. Correct. There are intangibles. Does it equal to uh, does it equal a player to become a player? a core part of an organization? No, but that was your whole argument about Gasol. And, oh, and, and okay, sorry. sorry. And he, plays, he plays good. He plays good defensive. Like that, that he, he's responsible in the defensive zone. That means that he is so integral to the Raptors organization. Get out okay. of here, Jacob. Next Get question. out of here. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that Zach Bogosian on what he represents is beneficial to the locker room. Beneficial. Do I really care if Zach Bogosian gets shipped off at the trade deadline? Absolutely not. Don't use the word smart with me, okay? Jacob. What? Um, Next question. You may not know this. Just because you you, uh, you you didn't really follow the the draft super well or, or know the draft class, mm-hmm. um, but I will ask you anyways. Um, on, on a scale from one to ten, how well do you think the Leafs did uh, in the twenty twenty draft? 
I'm just going to kind of go based off my conversations with you. Like at that time, yeah. I would say a five or a six. Is that fair? No, actually, it, it was higher. Really? Um, yeah. So the so the best score was was seven. Okay. okay. And I agree. Um, That's just safe like, score. Like it is a whenever. Is a, yeah. Um. And the Leafs' uh, first pick, the Rodion uh, Amirov, um, has had just like an unreal past couple of weeks. Like he's looking um, extremely good. Um, Dubis is turning out to be an extremely good drafter. Um, and I know that may be a little premature to talk about like this past draft, but if we're looking at like, you know, Nick Robertson. Or, um, you know, you know, SDA, like these players are, have been found deep in the draft and whether it be Dubas specifically or, or, or the, you know, the amateur scouts that, that find these players, like Mikheyev, just another example, like Dubas is a good drafter, you know, he may overpay players a, a little bit, but he is a good drafter. So yeah, seven. And like, that's actually like a pretty good score with respect to like how um, aggressive the fans are with respect to like Dubis's like style of, of managing. So um, I take that like as a win. Okay. Do you think the Leafs made the right decision keeping Frederick Anderson as their starting goaltender? Yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think it's a liability in that. And I think if you want to look for areas to work on, I think it's better to look at something like defense than it is to look at Freddie. Because I think, I, think I think he's good. I don't think he's great. He doesn't perform great in the playoffs, but he's also not the primary problem right now. So I think, I think they did make the right decision. This season, um, and I, Jacob, I think... Frederick Anderson will become like a reoccurring topic on this pod as the season gets on, gets on its way. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how he performs this year because it's his contract year. Like this is his oh, last he's, year. He's got to go out. He's got to ball out. Yeah. Like he, he's got to perform well. Um, and like the spotlight is going to be on him and Frederick, Anderson just like as a person he's very very reserved quiet does not like talking to the media like at all (laughs) like if he can avoid it he will so it'll be interesting to see how he uh, handles that pressure um so you were correct by uh, saying that and that was the majority uh, answer um 78.6 percent individuals said that they were correct by um by keeping Frederick Anderson it's tough, right? Like Andrew, you know, Anderson is a is a consistent player, like as you mentioned. But like his playoff performances have really put a damper on uh, what he is and kind of what he can offer. And I I wonder if like the players are starting to become frustrated or um worried about his playoff performance, right? Like. Again, I I don't know what it feels like to be in the NHL playoffs, but like, yes, Anderson definitely was not like the primary reason before 
or four rather that he like they didn't move on like their offensive um ability just went to sleep against columbus but like still like there was just these absolute garbage goals that were being let in where like we need a save in that moment and i i don't know i'm starting to question anderson's ability to handle these moments so i don't know we'll definitely see this year if if um if it's worth it and he he's got more to prove like individually so i think that'll be not only big for the team but big for him yeah we'll uh we'll definitely be talking about him um throughout the throughout the seasons um jacob did you uh, or do you rather think the Leafs made the right decision keeping their big four money boys together? Originally, I wanted Nylander or Marner to be gone. Um, I'm sure most fans did too. But after seeing no, the move, no, Dubis made. No, no, I'm okay, not okay, gonna okay, let you okay, get okay, away okay, with okay, that. Okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm saying I changed my mind now. And think, yes, it's good that they kept them together so they can build around them. Please, please. I know. I know I was wrong. I know. Say that you like Nylander as a player. I need to watch him more, but there are things about his game that I think I could like. <laughs> uh, um, sorry, Jacob. I, I didn't mean to, to cut you off there. So do you... Um, I just... Whenever you start uh, slandering Nylander's name, it, it gets me upset here. But... Do you think they made the the right decision by keeping them yeah. together? Yeah, I think so. In the end, seeing what Dubis did with like the moves around them, smart to keep those those really uh, high octane offense guys on and adding some guys around them instead of dropping like a big one and then yeah. getting so, a big one back. You know, I think this question was poorly worded with the sense that like, you know the the four you're not moving Matthews for obvious reasons because he's the best goal scorer in the game right now so uh, he's off the table and you're not all you're also not moving John Tavares uh, for several reasons mainly because he has a has a no move clause so you're only really looking at Marner and Nylander. Um I think you keep Marner one more year um, to see how he does this year. I think there's an argument to be had with respect to if he bounces back from um, the the narrative surrounding his contract. I know that personally affected him. Um, and I don't know, I, when I say that, I, I don't imply that I know him personally. I just know that people around him and, and the sources have said that like the, the, the media backlash that he faced really um, upset him personally. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he responds this year. Um, if he has an absolute unreal year, then then I think yes, the Leafs did make the right decision. Um, I don't think you're moving Nylander, um, a because he's his contract's really really good, um, and and b I don't think other teams recognize how valuable he is so like the return won't be as good so i only i only really see the potential of moving uh, marner and i think you give him one more year fair enough can agree with that um 
so currently Jacob, as the um team is is set as is, what do you think the biggest concern still is? It's still defense, man. Like I still need to see. It's I still need to see because I know the offense is going to perform. So I still need to see the defense actually step up their game as a unit. Uh, you're uh, you're correct, but th- this was a pretty even split. Thirty four percent said defense. Thirty two percent said uh, goaltending. So yeah, I agree. That's I think fair. Defense, I think defense just needs to be be consistent. Um, but you know, as I mentioned before, as long as Cody CC and, and Tyson Berry are not, it's a win. Uh, yeah, it's a win for sure. Um, all right, let's continue on here. Uh, I'll just do a couple more. Um, which defenseman, Sherm, do you think is going to join uh, Muzzin? Riley and Brody. How would I start off with telling you who it shouldn't be? <laughs> uh, Travis Dermott. It shouldn't be Travis Dermott, but I think it should be. I think it's. I. I don't know, man. I. I. I have a feeling it's going to be Dermott. I have a feeling it's going to be Dermott. That's going to be the answer, which disappoints me. But I think you got to put the Bogosian there. That's just me. So you're not, um, you're part of uh, the minority. However, that that minority w- was quite large. So I understand why you would pick him. Thirty-two um, percent said Miko Lettinen, and okay. uh, the other thirty-two said said Justin Hall. I'm interested to mm. see Miko Lettinen. Like there was a there was a lot of um, excitement. There still is a lot of excitement surrounding him. Um, he's performing extremely well in the KHL right now. He looks great. Uh, however, does that ever, uh, you know, can you really uh, apply that level of love play to the NHL with respect to the KHL? Like, it, it's difficult. Um, however, I know that the Leafs are expecting Miko Lettinen to play in the top six. Um, do I think he's going to be in the top four? That's uh, that's a conversation to be had. I don't see Dermot playing in the top four without injuries. And I think that is something you enjoy hearing, Jacob. But it'll be interesting. I don't know. Okay. And last, we'll finish off here. Um, do you agree with this statement, Jacob? In the next two years, the Leafs should trade one of their top forwards for a defenseman. It's a pretty circumstantial question. Like, I actually really, I can't tell you at this point if I think they should. Like, like you said earlier, if Marner doesn't have a great year or doesn't really live up to the expectations the team has for this year, yeah, potentially I see us giving up Marner for for someone. Um, But again, like, this is a pretty tough answer question to answer like without seeing this team at all play like they've made a bunch like a bunch of moves we haven't seen them play at all so it's a tough question i agree i think uh, i think there is definitely a possibility of them moving but it'll be interesting to see a different defensive makeup for the leafs but yeah okay all right well hopefully by the next pod 
uh, or the next recording of the podcast, we'll have a little bit more information uh, about the NHL's return to play. Um, but until then, uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Um, if you guys do have any uh, comments or concerns uh, regarding any of the content uh, talked about on the pod or um, your thoughts on these intangibles that are important to um, you know, championship-level teams, please uh, let us know. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, see you next time, guys. Thank you.